वसुदेवासुत कंसचाणुरमर्दनम देवकी परमानंदम कृष्णम वंदे जगद्गुरु we are studying the fourth chapter of the bhagavad gita this is one of the most well known verses especially especially i think because it is chanted before food so this verse is immediately followed by food so you are warned after this you might feel hungry in many ashrams some homes also they chant this 24th verse fourth chapter but a very very important verse and one of my favorite verses not just because it's followed by food but also because of its Uh, philosophical significance 24th verse brahmarpanam brahma havi brahma agno brahmana hutam brahmhevate nagantavyam brahma karma samadhina the ladle is brahman the oblation is brahman it is offered by brahman in the fire which is brahman brahman alone he attains who sees brahman in action all right we need to dwell on this what i'll do is i'll explain the general philosophical background of the verse and um, then get into a little technical discussion of uh, how this meaning emerges from this verse it's a little technical um, philosophy is involved here and then um, i will also i will not forget that it's related to food so i will connect it later on to to food also later on all right first what is this verse and why is it so important here krishna unequivocally talks about the highest advaita the ultimate teachings of advaita that everything is brahman including all beings living non living all actions every experience is nothing other than brahman so the highest non dual uh, teaching non duality not only in samadhi but in actual day to day experience of life when you're walking talking eating working uh, thinking doing religious activities and uh, secular activities everywhere non duality is there how in the midst of so much duality so much plurality actually non duality is maintained intact how so in the second chapter the essential teaching about advaita vedanta about vedanta was given the teaching about atman that that is the first step the first step is to see that to challenge the idea that we are this body and mind to challenge the idea that i am only this person sarva priyananda i am this man or woman no uh you are not the body not the mind body and mind are there but you are not that you are not limited to that you are the atman what is the atman body i understand flesh and bone here mind i understand thoughts feelings likes dislikes memories personality that's the mind what is atman if it's not body mind then what is it it's awareness it's consciousness chaitanyam it's that let's call it isness awareness existence and awareness the same thing that existence awareness how do i know that for that we have studied we have been studying vedanta for quite some time so we know various processes are there um there is the drig drishya viveka the analysis of seer and the seen uh, there is the pancha kosha viveka the analysis of the five layers of the human personality there is the avastha traya viveka the analysis of the three states of experience waking dreaming and deep sleep all of them they take you to the same conclusion 
not body, not mind, beyond body and mind, right here, within the body and mind, pervading it, but something apart from them, separate from them. Uh, body is changing continuously, mind is changing continuously, but I, the awareness, am not changing. All changes are in body and mind. Birth, childhood, middle age, old age, death, body, disease, body, happiness, desire, lack of fulfillment, mind, misery, mind, frustration, mind, not me. I am the experiencer of all of that. I am the knower of all of that. I am the illuminer, revealer of all of those things. But I am apart from it. Consciousness does not have uh, old age. Consciousness is not fat or thin. Consciousness is not sick, does not get COVID. Uh, consciousness is, does not get frustrated. Consciousness needs nothing. Consciousness never uh, is limited that it needs something else to become fulfilled. No. Unlimited, ever fulfilled, never changing. This awareness, we were led to appreciate this. Second chapter, you are the Atman. You cannot be killed by the sword. You cannot be drowned by water. You cannot be dried up by wind, so on and so forth. Uh, you can't be burned by fire, so on and so forth. Krishna said that. Um, so this is the first step to realize that you are consciousness. Immediately, a thought comes to us. Um, all right, I'm consciousness, but here are so many people. So are there many consciousnesses? Just like in this body and mind, I understand that I am a consciousness, not uh, as a part of the body and mind, but shining through this body and mind, pervading it, enabling it to function. When the body and mind are there, I enable this body and mind to function, just like electricity in, um, you know, in, in, in lights and fans and computers. But when the body is, dies, I'm, I'm not dead. I still exist, except that I cannot function. I can't talk and walk and um, you know, eat if the body is not there. I cannot think or imagine or remember if the mind is not working. But I am still there. So that uh, immortal consciousness, I am. Correct. But so many bodies. So are there separate consciousnesses? And we have gone through this a number of times. We take it as a second big step. First step, I am not the body-mind, I am consciousness. Very important step. But that's not uh, Advaita. That's just the beginning of Advaita. Still, multiplicity is there. I am consciousness, but other than consciousness, there are so many things. What things? Mind. In senses. Body. Universe. Billions of entities apart from consciousness. So it's not non-dualism. The multiplicity is there. Now the second stage will come. When second step we take, when we ask the question, how many consciousnesses? So am I one consciousness? And uh, father, mother, husband, son, daughter, are they separate consciousnesses? Seems to be so. Advaita Vedanta makes the startling claim. These are stunning claims that you are not the body and mind first. Second big claim, you are one consciousness, not many consciousnesses. And we have gone through the arguments many times. What are the arguments? You, the Advaita Vedanta reverses this question. Why do you think there are many consciousnesses? You see, why do you think there are many bodies? Look at Swami, look at the pictures. There are so many separate bodies. You count them. Why do you think there are separate minds? Everybody has different thoughts, opinions, feelings. You ask them, you will get different answers. So clearly bodies and minds are different, no doubt about it. Why is consciousness different? 
So here there's an argument with uh, Sankhya philosophy, which holds that consciousnesses are different and all their arguments fall flat. We, I will not go into that. Ultimately, Advaita Vedanta says, you cannot show by any means that consciousness is differentiated in beings, though it seems to be different. But there is no logical reason to suppose that it's different. Every logical reason you give to differentiate between consciousnesses in every body, separate consciousness, it falls flat. Um, so there is one consciousness in all bodies. 13 chapter Sri Krishna says, Khetragyam chapi maam vidhi sarvakshetreshu bharata. 13th chapter, Krishna will say to Arjuna, know me alone to be the consciousness. You, do you feel consciousness that you are conscious, conscious in that body? Arjuna will say yes. Like that there is consciousness in every body and mind. Yes. And that one consciousness shining through every body and mind, I am, Krishna says. I am the consciousness shining through every body and mind. Which by the way, he's saying there, Tattva Masi, because he's saying, I, I Krishna, Brahman, I am the consciousness in all bodies and minds. And you are that consciousness. So you and I are the one thing, are the same consciousness. Anyway, Advaita Vedanta says one Atma. Sankhya says many consciousnesses, many Purushas. Advaita Vedanta says one Purusha, one Atma, one Brahman, one consciousness in every body and mind. Just as, by the way, the biggest objection we have to this. You know what the objection is? I know what is in the mind. Uh, it, it is interesting. You must confront this objection. The objection to one consciousness in all bodies and minds is this. Tell me if I'm right or wrong. We feel inside, as I know the happenings of this mind and body, if I am the consciousness in all of those minds and bodies, then I should know everything. But I know only this body and mind. I've got only one perspective through this body and mind. I'm seeing through these eyes. I'm smelling and tasting through these, this nose and these, this tongue. I'm touching through these hands. I'm thinking with this mind. I know the thoughts and personality of this person, but not all of you. So if I'm one consciousness in all, I should know everything, right? I should, it should be revealed to me. Isn't this the doubt? What do you think? No, you don't have the doubt and you are extraordinary. <laughs> many, yeah, many of you are nodding. So this doubt is there. He's saying it's one consciousness and maybe logically I cannot, logically I cannot argue with, but it does not feel like that does not feel that I am a consciousness in all bodies. You know why? It's like this. Suppose you are looking in a barber shop. Many mirrors are there. Oh, haircut. So many, many mirrors are there. In each mirror is your reflection of your face. And if you say to one of those reflections, you alone are in all mirrors, the reflections will say that, no, I am only in this mirror and that reflection is in that mirror and that reflection is in that mirror, but I am not in all mirrors. True, the reflection belongs to the mirror. Each reflection is unique to the mirror. You are the one reflected in all mirrors. That's correct. Now the one which says, I know the contents of this mind and body. I am aware of this mind and body is the reflected consciousness. Is not you the pure consciousness. That's what's happening. That is uh, a crucial point. If we try to distinguish, it may be difficult. That is, that is one of the, the places where you can, if you make a breakthrough, it, it leads to the first step, the enlightenment. I am not body and mind. That will become clear. Right now, the one which objects, I know this mind, I know this person, it's the reflected consciousness in this mind. It is the reflect, reflected face in one mirror. Clearly, the reflected face is not same in all mirrors. That's absolutely true. 
but you the original face you are the prototype for all reflections clearly if you can make that jump from that reflected consciousness to you the real consciousness then the work is done what work is done step 1 is accomplished once step 1 is accomplished step 2 will come very easily that i am in all minds and bodies so after accomplishing step 1 someone may ask will i be able to know uh, the uh, contents of the minds of everybody again you are speaking like a reflected consciousness <laughs> all right so the second big step is atma is one one consciousness in all bodies and minds now even now it's not non duality because bodies and minds are different consciousness is one but bodies and minds and the world in external world is different there are many many bodies and many many minds and many many non living things in the world the last step which is accomplished here in this uh, brahmaharpanam brahmahabhi is this that um, this world which appears to that one consciousness external universe from quasars to quarks uh, bodies um, men and women and children and plants and animals and covid and everything from elephants to virus all these bodies they and minds thoughts feelings personalities all subtle subtle is mind mind level and gross or physical is the level of the body and the universe all of them are appearances in consciousness are not apart from that one consciousness entire jagat world prapancha the universe is an appearance in consciousness in you the atman and not accountably separate it's like all the ornaments are in gold only it's a strange way of speaking we say gold is in the ornaments clay is in the pot but that's not really true it's rather that the ornaments are in gold they are names and forms given to gold pot jar names and forms given to clay becomes even more clear when you think about water the waves are in water it's not that the water is in the waves so all this external universe is an appearance in consciousness not separate from consciousness has no existence apart from consciousness this appearance nature of the universe it shows that the universe is nothing but this consciousness this one consciousness which is the ground the adhisthanam rather the the basis of this entire universe this is called brahman brahman literally means the vast the infinite what is it it is existence what is it it is awareness and infinite existence awareness that infinity of existence and awareness itself is called ananda bliss and that thou art you are that this is the third step usually i speak about it in two steps you realize you are the atman apart from body and mind and then second step atman is the only reality it's brahman but it's easier to take it in three steps you are not the body and mind you are the atman step 1 this was taught in second chapter the immortal atman the unchanging atman ever effulgent atman beyond suffering and sorrow then next you are the atman in all beings one consciousness in all beings ekam that's also was taught in the second chapter that was taught then that atman alone is real everything else which you are seeing is not separate outside the atman it is in the atman or not and nothing but the atman the entire universe is an appearance in you the atman just like 
movies are an appearance in the screen. They are nothing apart from the screen. The screen itself appears in the form of the movies. Just like dreams are appearances in the mind. They have no existence apart from the mind. So this entire universe has no existence apart from the consciousness. Remember, I'm not saying just like the dream, whatever is was in the dream is nothing other than mind. In the same way, whatever is in the waking universe is nothing other than your mind. I'm not saying that. That's an entirely different philosophy. That's called subjective idealism. Uh, in the Buddhist Vijnanavada philosophy was, is that. The object is not different from the cognition. Or in Western philosophy, Bishop Berkeley um, and the subjective idealists. So that is different. That's not Advaita Vedanta. In fact, Shankaracharya um, painstakingly refutes that. This world is not a creation of your individual mind. Advaita never says that. But world, body and mind, they are all appearances in the consciousness which you are. There's a very big difference because mind and consciousness are not the same thing. Dream is a creator. Individual dream is a creation of your mind, which we know. Individual dreams are the creation of our individual minds. But the world is not a creation of our individual mind. The world is an appearance in consciousness. Don't ask individual consciousness or not. No, no, there's no individual consciousness. Consciousness alone is the reality. This is third step. In third step alone, non-duality is achieved. Advaita. Because there is nothing apart from this Brahman. Whatever is experienced in the world is an appearance in Brahman and not apart from Brahman. Though it seems to be apart from Brahman. We seem to have no experience of the so-called Brahman and all that we see is the world. And here Advaita says the opposite. Whatever you see is an appearance and the reality is Brahman. Brahman itself is appearing in all these forms just like a rope is appearing as a snake. Now additionally, one more thing has been implied here. The word of karma, Brahma, karma, samadhi is potent. So all activities are also Brahman. This is important because they're talking about how to bring this spirituality, this realization of non-duality into our day-to-day -day lives. So everything that we experience in day-to-day -day life, kar karma means every transaction in this world is uh, Brahman. Walking, talking, eating, working, um, loving, hating, whatever is done in this world is actually Brahman, appears to be these things. That is the message of uh, this 24th verse. This verse is, now one may just ask here that, um, wait a minute, something so abstract as consciousness, how can it appear as a solid world, rocks and trees? So Bill Conrad often says, he quotes uh, when uh, Samuel Johnson, when he was told about Bishop Berkeley's uh, philosophy that everything is the pro product of the mind, is a pro projection of the mind. The mind alone is the reality. So Samuel Johnson, apparently he said, I refute it thus, and he kicked the rock. And kicked the rock. He, by kicking it, he says, I refute it. See, a solid rock, I'm kicking it. How can it be the mind? Of course, that's not a correct refutation. You can kick a rock in your dream, and that rock would be a product of your mind. But, but, um, consciousness. How can consciousness become a rock or a tree or something? Very good example is the dream example. You see people and um, um, rivers and sky and plants and rocks, uh, hard substance, soft substances. Everything is there in the dream. When you wake up, 
all of it is nothing but the mind, correct? All of it is nothing but the mind. Mind alone is appearing in all these ways. Mind can appear exactly like that in consciousness. Consciousness alone is appearing in all, as, as the physical universe, no matter how hard or solid, as the mental universe, no matter how diverse, all of it is none other than, none other than consciousness. You may say there, ah, but in dreams, the mind does not become you know, rocks or trees or people. It's just imagination. Exactly. That's what Advaita Vedanta is saying. Not that consciousness has become a universe. It appears as this universe. There is no real universe apart from consciousness. Not that a real universe emerged from consciousness and is now standing apart from it. No. It is still only consciousness. Now, this verse is directed towards Arjuna, who is... So this is meant for an enlightened person who is engaged in the world. That's why the verse has been put in such a way. So an enlightened person who is going to office and who is going to uh, maybe um, school, taking care of a family and many responsibilities. So how does that happen? That's also mentioned in this verse. This verse says that all the actions are also Brahman. Everything involved in the action um let's see for example the action which has been described there is a yagya now you have to imagine a vedic time fire sacrifice so there would be a fire which is lit there would be a ladle a wooden spoon big wooden spoon uh, that is called arpana by which the havi the the ghee or the oblations the offerings would be taken and offered into the fire by whom by the priest and they would chant mantras so exactly like that. So, and he says that the wooden spoon, the ghee which is offered, the fire itself, the one who is offering it, all of them are nothing but Brahman. Similarly, every action that we do and all the factors of that action and the results of that action in Sanskrit, Kriya Karaka Phalam. Kriya Karaka Phalam. Kriya means the action. Suppose you're driving. Then what is the Kriya? Driving. Uh, what is the karaka? All the factors associated with the driving. What are the factors? The car and the GPS and the fuel and the road uh, and the person driving. All of them are factors involved in the action of driving. And the result, you get to a destination. Kriya karaka phalam. Everything involved in action. The action itself, all the factors involved in the instruments, the place and everything. And finally, the result of that action. All of them are nothing but Brahman. That's what is being said. In the midst of all activity, not in Samadhi, not in Nirvikalpa Samadhi, but in the midst of all activity, which seems to be so dualistic. I am different. The car is different. The road is different. My destination is different. That's why I'm driving a car to my destination. In the midst of all this dualistic activity, um, action as a beginning, a middle and an end, in the midst of all this dualistic activity, the enlightened one sees one Brahman only. Just as you would see one screen or at least notice or understand it's one screen only uh, in which the entire movie is being played out. A lot of activity going on in the movie. The movie, a lot of action. Maybe the cops are chasing the robbers. A lot of action, shooting going on, car chase. But if you go and touch the screen, nothing is going on there. You know, you don't have to touch the screen. You know that nothing is going on. So, in fact, 
the screen should not do anything if the screen also gets excited and starts chasing the robbers then the movie will be spoiled screen should stay still so that the movie can play can play screen should not take part in the movie similarly consciousness brahman which is existence consciousness that is the ground of all experience it makes all experience possible that's the um, attitude of the gyani enlightened one who is in uh, in the world engaged in the world agrihasta does not have to withdraw from the world in the midst of all worldly activities brahma drishti non dual vision in the midst of dualistic activities that person sees everything is brahman brahmamayam jagat all the entire universe appears as brahman is brahman is known to that person therefore good and bad also in the movie hall comedy and tragedy in one sense they are the same to you because they are do you know they are movies the only reality there is the screen and the sound and light satchidanand is the only reality and here good and bad are movies tragedy is also a movie comedy is also a movie the uniting factor there is that they are not real that's the saving grace so the gyani enlightened one who can be engaged in action in the office or like arjun in the battlefield has to have this vision of brahman in every activity why would this person act look at the difference between this gyani and the agyani the enlightened one and the unenlightened one the unenlightened one engages in action whether religious action or secular action can do a ritual like a vedic fire um, uh, yagya or a puja religious action or secular action can go to the office and work in a job in all of that the unenlightened person has certain objective to attain what is the objective i must earn money i must get my salary i must get a promotion i must buy uh, black friday i need money for buying things on black friday everybody knows today is black friday i have to buy things so this is an objective why in that case i will be happy if i do not buy i'll be unhappy guaranteed in both cases you'll be unhappy but anyway that's the samsara so this is the objective of the agyani the unenlightened person in puja in rituals also the unenlightened person why do they do it it could be that i want something let my child do well in examinations uh, let me go to heaven after death or even if i do not order that the disease be cured even if i do not have any specific desire let all things be all right with my samsara um, things go well nothing wrong in all of this this is the this is the characteristic of a religious dharmika person a religious person a moral person ethical person absolutely all right but unenlightened does not realize the reality it still thinks i am this body and mind the enlightened person does the same activity but not for the desire for any kind of fulfillment because fulfillment is already there i am the infinite brahman what do i need so why does this person do activities loka sangraham for the welfare of others maybe just to set an example or maybe just this body and mind is supposed to do this work this is the dharma let it do or it could be like some great action like vivekananda is engaged in you know taking care of so many people establishing schools hospitals welfare of the world so the not for one's own sake there is nothing to be gained for that enlightened person what does the infinite what does brahman have to gain what does the screen have to gain from the movie nothing 
It just gives the joy to everybody by playing the movie. Similarly, the Jnani enlightened person engages in all activities, whatever is necessary, while maintaining Brahma Drishti, equal non-dual vision at all moments, effortlessly. Not that he's trying to think, I must think it is all Brahman, I must think, I'm unenlightened. Enlightened person, effortlessly it is. It knows. Do you have to maintain, while watching a movie, do you have to keep reminding yourself, it's a movie, it's a movie, it's a screen, it's a screen, it's a movie, it's a screen. You'll spoil the experience of the movie, you keep doing that. Enjoy the movie, you know that it's a screen, nothing can go wrong there. It's just a movie, so you can enjoy it. The enlightened person also effortlessly realizes, I am Brahman, all of this is Brahman. I and this are one and same reality. No problem at all. This is the uh, substance of the message of this verse. Now, what has happened here is, um, by the knowledge of Brahman, by realizing this, the world has been falsified. Jagat Mityatva. You see, the world is an appearance, like a movie, like a dream. Included in this world, is karma, all activities. So all activities are also appearances, like a movie. All activities are done like the screen is doing nothing, but tremendous activity can go on in a movie. Similarly, I, Brahman, do nothing, but tremendous activity can go on in my life, if necessary. Not that you have to be a workaholic. There's a Brahman has to be a workaholic. Not necessary. Can remain immersed in peaceful meditation also. So all activities are fully compatible with Complete non-activity. How? This is where that insight comes from the 18th verse. Seeing inaction in the midst of all activity. At the body-mind level, at the movie level, lot of activity is possible. But at the, screen, at the screen level, no activity is going on. At the level of Brahman, Atman, I do not do anything. The real I. Otherwise, a lot of activity is going on at the body-mind level, which is not real for me. This seeing the unreality of, of activity, of action, of karma, seeing the unreality of karma through the realization of Brahma. Brahma jnanena karma mithyatva drishti. By realizing that I am Brahman, you see the falsity of karma. This is called karma sannyasa. This is called karma sannyasa. I'll repeat. Karma sannyasa, renunciation of action, is seeing the falsity of karma, which is consequent upon realizing I am Brahman, which is consequent upon realizing Jagat Mithyatva, falsity of the world. Falsity of the world means falsity of karma. Uh, falsity of world, how does it come? By realizing I am Brahman. Brahma Satyatva implies Jagat Mithyatva. Jagat Mithyatva is, includes Karma Mithyatva. That Karma Mithyatva, Mithyatva means falsity. Falsity of karma is what is meant by Karma Sannyasa. How is that accomplished? By jnana, by knowledge. What am I trying to say here? If you notice the name given to this chapter by Shankaracharya, Jnana Karma Sannyasa Yoga. You see, the name given to this, this chapter is chapter 4 is this Jnana Karma Sannyasa Yoga, Chaturthadhyaya. This is what this chapter is known as. How does this name come? Jnana, by knowledge, what knowledge? Aham Brahmasmi. And what is that kind of, what is that Brahman? Brahmarpanam, Brahmavi and so on. Everything is Brahman. Everything is not Brahman alone is. 
by that knowledge what happens world is falsified world becomes an appearance karma is falsified and that karma falsification of karma alone is understood as karma sanyasa not the actual giving up of karma not the actual giving up of karma so does an enlightened person give up karma or not may if he's a monk may not if he's someone like krishna or like even a monk like shankaracharya like vivekananda may be engaged in tremendous activity it is in this sense this is a very profound statement gyana karma sanyasa yoga yoga is the spiritual knowledge spiritual practice or knowledge which results in the enlightenment which results in the falsity of the world which results in the falsity of karma which is equivalent to giving up karma while actually doing karma with body and mind gyana karma sanyasa yoga if you look at this verse it is nothing other than brahma satyam jagat mithya jiva brahmai vanakar think about it everything is brahman brahma satyam the world is an appearance jagat mithya who are you you are the you are brahman which is beyond all action while performing all action you are still beyond action jiva brahmai vanakar that central teaching of advaita vedanta brahman alone is real the world is an appearance you are none other than brahman this itself is the meaning of brahmaarpanam brahmaadi very profound verse one more point i'm just reminded that wonderful exchange between swami vivekananda and uh, mary hale yes so she wrote to vivekananda saying in the poems in vivekananda's poems it's there saying that what you are saying that uh, i understood that you have said all is god and that's the meaning of brahmaarpanam are you not saying everything is brahman and vivekananda said not at all i never meant that see it is very important to understand brahmaarpanam vivekananda says i never said all is god such queer teaching is a strange teaching how strange this is what you are teaching that all is god gita itself says that no i said god only is nothing else is brahmaarpanam brahmaavi means brahman alone is the ladle is not the fire is not the ghee which is offered is not the priest is not it is brahman alone the action of the puja the yagya that is not it is not that in the movie there is actually a cop a cop a car of the cop and the getaway car of the robber and the bank robbers are running away with cash and these are actually they are chasing and there is shooting none of it is actual only actuality there is the screen not that there are real robbers and cops there but it appears in that way they are not in the same level this is where the two level of truth um, the vyavaharika and paramarthika absolute level paramarthika brahman only vyavaharika level all activities are going on no problem vyavaharika level is the level of the dream the level of the movie all right so this is the basic basic idea now i promised a little technical note here see it goes like this um look at the words brahmaarpanam brahmahavi brahmagno how do you interpret the words here is something called badha samanarikarnyam badha samanarikarnyam very big and fancy word but it's important to understand very profound concept you have to get a little bit of grammar in here what is said is a sentence may be vyadhikarana or samanarikarana what does it mean sentence has many words 
Now the question is, do those words refer to different subjects, different entities? Or do all the words, many words, but they refer to the same entity? How does this matter? The dualist will say that, look, sentences refer, have many words. Everybody has to admit that. Yes, so. And the words, they are different. Different words refer to different entities. If you say yes, then the dualist will say, our case is proved. There are multiple entities. Language itself says there are multiple entities. Where is your one non-dual Brahman? Multiple words. Each word refers to multiple different entities. The different words are referring to different entities. That means there are many entities. Where is non-duality? Simple. I mean, a very simple kind of argument. This is called Vyadhikarana. Vyadhikarana means different uh, words referring, different words are referring to different entities. Words refer to entities. So there is a, let me use the glasses to read a book. So I am using glasses to read a book. I refers to me. Sarva Priyananda. Glasses refers to this. Book refers to this. Three, three words, three entities. Therefore, a reading. One more. Action. Four words referring to four entities. Where is non-duality then? Non-duality means that there is only one entity. So language itself proves that non-duality is not possible. And the non-dual non teacher comes in and says, Advaitin say, wait a minute. There are sentences in which there are many words but they all refer to one entity. Such sentences are called Samana Adhikaranam. Samana means same. Adhikarana means the ground or basis. The basis, that means the words are the basis for referring to same entity. How many of our Pranam Mantras, Vishwam, Vishnu, Vashatkara, Bhuta, Bhavdya, Bhavat, Prabhu, thousand names of Vishnu. Vishwam, Vishnu, Vashatkara, Bhuta, Bhavdya, Bhavat, Prabhu, the thousand names of Vishnu, Vishnu Sahasranama, how many entities do they refer to? One entity, Vishnu only. Are they different names? Yes, different names. Sthapakaya Chadharmasya, Sarva Dharma Swarupine. So many words. Whom do they refer to? One entity, Sri Ramakrishna. We started Vasudeva, Sutam Devam, Kamsa Sinchanura, Mardanam, for the Pranam Mantra in the Bhagavad Gita. So many words. They all refer to Krishna. So this, these such, such sentences are called samanadhikaranam. Many words referring to one entity. So it is possible for sentences to refer to one entity. Samanadhikarana sentences. Now, our contention is, non-dualist contention is, when you say brahmarpanam, arpana means ladle. Now you know what, what, what why, why are you suddenly talking about a ladle or a spoon? It's the Vedic ritual in which the wooden spoon was used to offer ghee. So, Brahma-Arpanam. Two words are there. Brahma and Arpanam. What is the relationship? Are they two different things? Brahman is the creator of the ladle. Who will say that? Dualist. The ladle is a part of Brahman. Who will say that? Vishishtadvaita, qualified monist. What do we say? Samanadhikaranam. There is no relationship between the two words. They are one and the same thing. They refer to one and the same thing. Brahman only. Brahma Arpana. Brahma refers to Brahman, Arpana refers to Brahman. How? How is that possible? So far you are clear, there is a sentence, there is a type of sentence called Samanarikarana, where all the words refer to one entity. And we are trying to prove when you say Brahma Arpanam, it means one entity, Brahman. How, how is this possible? There are 
four types of Saman Adhikarana. There are many types actually, 16 types are there, but we'll take four types. Four types of Saman Adhikarana. This many words referring to one entity, four types can be possible. One is Aikya Saman Adhikarana. One is um, Aikya Saman Adhikarana means identity Saman Adhikarana. Then there is um, the uh, Vishesha Visheshana Saman Adhikarana. Adjectival Samanadhikaranam. That is the second one. Adjectival. One is identity. Second is adjectival. Third is Upasana Samanadhikaranam. Third one is for meditation. Fourth one is Badha Samanadhikaranam. Badha means negation or correction. Negation um, Samanadhikaranam. Four types. Identity. Then uh, adjectival. Then uh, for meditation. Then uh, for correction or negation. Which one? We are aiming for the fourth one. What are these four? Very simple actually. I'll give you the examples, you will immediately understand. The first one, identity. When two words are used, but they mean the same thing. So we will see this in Tattvamasi when we read about that Dao art. Uh, classic example is Soyam Devadattaha. This is that Devadatta. That Devadatta whom, Devadatta is a person. Devadatta whom I saw in Mumbai, whom I saw 20 years ago. Now I see that Devadatta in Manhattan uh, today in 2020. So that Devadatta who was young is now old. That Devadatta who had a lot of hair is now bald. So many differences. But this and that they refer to the same person. This is called Aikya Samanadhikarana. One. They are one. That is Devadatta. This is also Devadatta. The same. They are not two Devadattas. So is, isn't this Brahmarpanam like that? Not at all. Brahman is not a wooden spoon. Wooden spoon is Brahman. No, Brahman is not a wooden spoon. They are not one and the same thing. All right. Second one, adjectival. What is adjectival? Classic example is Nilotparam, blue flower or red flower. Or um, you can say uh, orange shirt. Orange shirt. Orange and shirt or red and flower. They refer to the same entity. Flower is, it refers to the flower and the orange refers to that orange flower only. Uh, so that flower itself, it's the color of that flower. So it is, it is an adjective, a property of that flower. Yeah. Orange, no, it need not be color only. Tall man, uh, fast runner, uh, uh, big house, big, tall, fast, color. These are all properties and they belong to that object. Orange shirt, orange is a property, belongs to this shirt. So Brahmarpanam, is it adjectival? Um, remember, how is this one then? You say, how can orange and a shirt be one? How can big and house be one? What it means is they both refer to the same entity. One is a property, one is the uh, entity itself, subject, uh, the, the object itself. So shirt and orange, they both refer to this. In that sense, they are one. Because the orange cannot hang in the air without the shirt. So they are referring to one entity. So they are one in that sense. Is it like that? Is Brahmarpanam, wooden ladle, a property of Brahman? Not at all. Brahman has nothing to do with the wooden ladle. Brahmahavi, is ghee a property of Brahman? No, not at all. So it cannot be adjectival identity. Uh, adjectival uh, samanavikaranam. The third one, Upasana. This Shivalinga is Shiva. Meditate on Shivalinga as Shiva. You go there and imagine the Shiva Linga and meditate and worship it as Shiva. It's a stone symbol. 
This is stone symbol. But you are, for the purpose of a spiritual practice, you are meditating on it as Shiva. You are identifying it in your mind. This is Shiva. Are you being asked to do that? Meditate on the ladle as Brahman. This ladle is Brahman. Just think about it like that. Some people may think that's what they're being asked to do. Not at all. Not at all. The third one is what we are trying to do. Third one is like uh, snake and rope. What you think is the snake is actually rope. What are we doing? Correct the error. It is not a snake. It's a rope. And Shankaracharya says when Brahmarpanam, Brahman is the wooden ladle. It is not a wooden ladle. It is not arpanam. It is Brahman. It is not a snake. It is Brahman. It is not a snake. It is a rope. Similarly, it is not a wooden ladle. It is Brahman. Brahma Havi. It is not ghee. Havi. It is Brahman. Brahma Agno. It is not fire. It is Brahman. How are you getting this meaning? Badha Samanadhikarnam. By correcting the error. Snake and rope are the same thing. What does it mean? Does it mean that there is a snake and rope, they are one and the same like Devadatta? No. Does it mean that the snake is a property of the rope? No. Does it mean that you have to meditate on the rope as a snake? No. It, what it means is, it's not a snake, it's a rope. When you say Arpana, Brahmarpana, it's not an Arpana, it's Brahman. It can, for every activity, so, so the fire, it's not fire, not a snake, rope, it's not fire, it is Brahman. Brahma Havi. Brahman, it, it's not ghee. Uh, not a snake. It's a rope. It's not ghee. It is Brahman. Similarly. Uh, it is not a priest. Uh, but it is Brahman. So it's a correction. Like not a snake. It is a rope. That is what is being told to us. The snake is an appearance. Rope is the reality. Wooden ladle is the appearance. Name, form, function. But the reality is Brahman, existence awareness. Ghee is the appearance, name, form, function. But the reality is Brahman, existence awareness. Fire is the appearance, name, form, function. It's called fire, looks like fire, functions like fire. But it's, what is it made of? It is uh, existence awareness, Brahman. Brahman is the reality. It's not fire, it's Brahman. This is the in form of enlightenment. Through Bada Samana Rikaranyam, we are able to decode. See, it's, co it's cool to say everything is God. How is everything God? When you are working on a computer, doing your, your assignment or your, your dead, meeting a deadline, so if you say computer is Brahman, the, you are Brahman, and uh, the, the deadline is Brahman, and your boss is Brahman, very difficult. The boss is Brahman, and the work that you are doing is Brahman. And the result of all of that is also Brahman. Whether you will get a scolding or you will get a promotion, Brahman. How? The only way, it is not a snake, it's a rope. It's not a computer, it's isness awareness. It's not a boss, it is Brahman. Boss already thinks that he's Brahman, but that's different. But it's Brahman. It is not the activity of typing, it is Brahman. Swami Vivekananda's instruction to Mary Hale, that... No, I never said all is God. I said God only is, all is not. That is Badha Samanadhikaranam. What did Mary Hill think? Aikya Samanadhikaranam. All is God. There is all, there is God, and they are one and the same thing. Or she thought Upasana Samanadhikaranam. You are, you are supposed to meditate, try to feel all these things are God. That is the Samanadhikaranam of Upasana, third type. 
No, Swami is denying all of that. Actually, it is this. Shiva Jnana Jiva Seva, the motto of the Ramakrishna order from the Advaitic perspective. Anand Maharaj will give a, a different perspective, it's a Vigyana Vedanta perspective, but I'm just saying from Shankara's perspective. Shiva Jnana Jiva Seva. Jiva is not, Shiva alone is. That is the nature of the Jnana. Then the Seva, that Karma, it becomes nothing other than Shiva. Karma is not, Jiva is not, Shiva alone is. That is the meaning, Bhada Samanadikaranam. This is from classical Advaita. Classical Advaita would say that. This is the meaning of Brahmarpanam Brahmahavi. Technically. Now one more point and then I'll take a few questions. I, I remember I mentioned food. So food has to be related. How is it related to food? Here. I am taking this from Swami Ram Sukhdasji in Hindi. He has made six points. How do you practice it while eating? It's become a practice. Remember when it says Brahma Karma Samadhi, the one who sees Brahman in all activities. Activities are not Brahman alone is. That's the knowledge. Such a person in all activities, not just eating. So it's in all activities. Eating is a good, good prototype, but it should, it should go um, driving and working and talking and reading. All of those acti activities, you can do this Brahmarpanam Brahmahavi. But specifically for eating, six points he has mentioned, we'll quickly go through it. That by which you offer that hand or that spoon or fork uh, which you are offering food into your mouth. That hand or the fork or spoon, that is Brahman. In India, people eat with their hands, so the hand is Brahman by which you are offering. Like the wooden ladle with which you are offering fire into the fire. That um, hand with which you are offering food into the mouth, that hand is Brahman. And the beauty of Ram Sukhdasji is he has given references from other parts of Gita, where Krishna is actually saying those things. Gita 13.13, you can write down those who are taking down notes. 13.13, 13th verse, 13th chapter. Sarvatav pani padam tat. Everywhere are the hands and feet of that Lord. That Lord, the hands are everywhere. Which hands? Are we seeing hands everywhere like some Hollywood special effect? No, our hands. Our hands, the same consciousness acting through all these hands. Everywhere is the hand, is my hand, the hand of the Lord. Um, I'm reminded of Maradona passed away, the hand of God. Those, those who know football history. All right. Second, what you are eating, that is Brahman. The rice and the dal and the bread and the, uh, what you are drinking, all of that is Brahman. That is like the oblation being offered into the fire. The food that you are offering inside, that is Brahman. Again, he gives a reference. Gita chapter 9, 16th verse, 9.16. I alone am the offering. Krishna, Krishna says, 16th verse of 9th chapter. I alone am the offering. God is the offering. Offering is the word food we are putting in the mouth. Third point. The one who is eating is also Brahman. So Gita, 15th chapter, 7th verse, 15.7. An aspect of mine has become a jiva. So the eater is also, I am Brahman. I, the eater, I am, I am Brahman. Then the fire, uh, Agni, the fire is Brahman. So the fire in the stomach, the fire of hunger, fire of hunger is Brahman. Krishna actually says that in um, uh, 15th chapter, 14th verse, 
Ahameva, aham vaishwanaro bhutva, vaishwanara, the fire of hunger in the, uh, the digestive fire in the stomachs of all living beings. I am, I God, I am Brahman, I am that. Then number five, the activity of eating, that means offering the food to the fire of hunger, like you offer the ritualistic offerings into the fire in yajna. That is also Brahman. The whole, whole activity of eating is Brahman. How? Uh, in chapter 9, 16th verse, 9.16, Aham Hutam, I am the sacrificial offering. I am the activity of, uh, you know, Havan. And those who do the Brahmaivatena Gantavyam, those who see eating in this way, remember, we are specifically thinking of how to apply it to eating. Those who consider eating, those who are mindful of eating in this way, they attain to Brahman. Brahmaivatena Gantavyam, Brahma Karma Samadhina. The one who sees this non-dual Brahman in all dualistic, apparently dualistic activities, attains Brahman. In eating, how? Gita of chapter 4, 31st verse, 4.31. Krishna says, those who eat the prasad of an yajna, they attain to me. Very beautiful statement. Yajna shishtam rito bhujo yanti brahma sanatanam. Those who uh, eat the offerings after an yajna. Basically, the practice is whatever we eat, whenever we eat anything, whatever we eat, mentally offer it to God and take it as prasad. When we offer food to God ritualistically and take get prasad from it, let every action of eating, whatever we eat, even snacks you are taking, a cup of coffee, mentally offer it to God and then, uh, then, take, then take it. And he says, the one who eats prasad, only prasad, yanti brahma sanatanam, they attain to Brahman, eternal Brahman. Remember, this is a very beautiful practice to be done while eating. But remember, this is not only for eating. It is for all activities. Brahmaarpanam brahmahavi, brahmagno brahmanautam, the, it is not a ladle, it is the non-dual Brahman, it is uh, not the offerings, it is non-dual Brahman, it's not a fire, it is the non-dual Brahman, it's not the one who is uh, the priest who is doing the activities, but it is the non-dual Brahman, the whole activity is itself Brahman, the one who in the midst of all active, uh, Swami Vivekananda said, intense activity, in the midst of uh, intense activity, there is eternal calm. In the midst of all dualistic action appearing, your samsaric life is going on. You see non-dual Brahman. That one attains to Brahman. Attains to Brahman means already has realized. Aham Brahmasmi. All right. Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Tat Sat Shri Ram Krishna Rupanamastu